Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Loners League podcast. As always, this is your host, Wolfman27. Hope you're all doing well today. We are heading into week four now, which means we're almost a quarter of the way done with our fantasy season. We only have one undefeated team left and one winless team left in the league, and we are dealing with our first COVID postponement, so things are starting to get crazy. It'll end up being a long episode today, so I'm just going to get right into it. To start things off, our weekly challenge this week was the Bench Warmers Award. This was awarded to whichever team had the most points on their bench last week. And the award goes to Fisher Sports. Fisher left a whopping 78 points on his bench this past week. Congratulations for winning this award, Fisher, because coincidentally, it'll also lead to you earning the title of the worst manager of the week, which means we have brand new power rankings. This week's power rankings are ranked by which team have the quarterback and kicker rooms that Fisher would most like to party with. Once again, the disclaimer is these are Fisher's words and not mine, so anything you have against these rankings, take up with him. So let's just get right into it. Starting off at the bottom is Coy's 302. And the reasoning here is Coy's has Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. According to Fisher, hanging out in a room alone with Rodgers is not a party no matter what I say. But I agree to disagree, sir. Number 11 this week's Aaron T4. Kyler Murray, Teddy Bridgewater, and Robbie Gold. Otherwise known as the short, quiet guy, the tall, quiet guy, and the old man. What is this, a party in a library? At number 10, we have Adam Jeffrey, 86, Lamar Jackson, Matt Ryan, and Ryan Suckup. Matt Ryan and Lamar Jackson seem like a not-so-interesting combo, but the shades might come out, and when they do, everyone better watch out. Coming in at spot 9 is No Sleep Tonight, Big Ben, Nick Foles, and Joey Sly. These guys just seem okay, but three's company, you know? The party may be much, much better if somebody gets hurt halfway through and Foles comes out of nowhere with a lampshade on his head. At spot 8, we have J.M. Pincus, who has Deshaun Watson and Matt Prater. A record-holding kicker and a great quarterback? Sounds like a party to me. At number 7, we have myself, Wolfman27, with Matt Stafford and Zane Gonzalez. Zane isn't a party animal, but if you've seen the pictures of Matt Stafford on that yacht, you know he is. Ranking number six is J. Mardo 6 with Josh Allen, Ryan Tannehill, and Harrison Butker. Though Butker is a guy that spends most of his time off in the chapel, he seems like a great guy, and Josh Allen and Tannehill are always a good time. Spot number five is Phonette with Drew Brees and Will Lutz. This ranking is strictly because of their chemistry together. The old guys are coming in strong here at number five. Number four is Sibley the Best with Pat Mahomes and Greg Zerline, the face of the NFL and one of the best kickers of our generation. This party is getting everything paid for by sponsors. Number three is Jambroso, Dak Prescott, and Justin Tucker. Tucker brings the opera entertainment, seriously, Google it, while Prescott shows up big whether we pay him or not. In second place this week, we have JDGG with Russell Wilson and Mason Crosby. Who doesn't want to party with Russ, especially when he's unlimited? Mason kind of has that old man swag too, and together we'll have a surprisingly great party. 
And unsurprisingly, coming in at number one this week is Fisher Sports himself. Cam Newton, Joe Burrow, Gardner Minshew, and Blankenship? Come on, you already knew what it was. This is the party that absorbed all else. Cam's outfits, Burrow's cigars, Minshew's beer, and goggles, all inclusive. This is a party all season long and all are invited. So there you have it, folks. Thanks to Fisher Sports for that amazing submission this week. Although, let us all have a brief moment of silence as he recently just had to cut Minshew from his team to make room for another tight end. All right, that should be long enough. Moving on, we recently passed a new rule which only applies for specific games that are pending postponement. If it is unclear whether a to-be-determined postponed game will occur within the current week or rescheduled later on in the season, a team manager has the option to start any players involved in the aforementioned game and may declare a backup option if it so happens that game becomes rescheduled outside of the current week of play. Any backup declarations will need to be submitted to me prior to the Thursday night kickoff that week, and all backup choices would be required to be available on your team's bench. You can read all the details on this in the pinned messages of the league chat. Anyways, without further ado, I'm going to bring on the last undefeated player in our league, JDGG. Now, JDGG and I talked a long time, so as you can already tell, this is going to be a really long episode. You don't have to digest it all at once, I'm not going to make you. Divide it into healthy portions and savor it. I clearly had an excellent time talking with our friend JDGG, even if it was hard for us to stay on topic at times. There's just so much to talk about, so I hope you all enjoy and have a great week four. And with me now, we have JDGG all the way from Mexico. How are you doing today, JDGG? Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks, Wolfman. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Like I, I was telling you before, I was... Uh... I'm really excited that this league uh, was had a second year. We have a great group of people, and I'm I'm glad to still be a part of it. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we're glad to have you too. And you just mentioned right before we started recording too, you're you're doing way better at this point than you were at the start of last year, uh, where <laughs> yeah. you and and your fellow Seahawks fan Adam Jeffrey had a pretty rough start right from the beginning. But you're the last undefeated team now. How's that feel? It feels like uh, I'm walking on clouds. The the moment I real I look down and I uh, the moment I look down and realize I'm not stepping on something that's actually solid, I'm going to to drop, and it's going to be it's going to be painful. Yeah, I I've been scraping by. I think the last two weeks have had uh, victories by really close margins. Last week uh, I I took it from Diego. I think yeah, Aaron's Diego, right? Uh, yes. I took a victory from him because a uh, acronym boss or Mason Crosby uh, kicked his kicked my way into victory. It was it was great. Kicked his butt, literally, you could say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that I was did. that was fun to watch. Just extra point after extra point, just slowly creeping up on him, and you end, ended up getting to get the win there. It could have been a tie though. We were really close to getting our first tie ever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was hoping to get the win, obviously, but the tie would have been interesting. I've never actually tied in fantasy football. And you but still would have been undefeated, technically. True, true. But I, I, I've had a. I think I'm having positive karma on the close uh, on the close uh, games 
because last season, two of my leagues, I lost by under one point. I was second place in two leagues uh, by, by about 0.6 and 0.8 on the, on the final results. And on both, I started out strong, but the other team just caught up. And, and by the last game, I was just down by one point. It was horrible. That is the worst feeling ever. And I'm hoping that you're not wasting all this good karma early in the season and you still have some left over for any playoff fantasy football we get to. Uh, Yeah, I have the same hopes, actually. You almost got here undefeated as well. I think your first uh, defeat was last week, right? That's right, yeah. So J-Mart, who J.M. Pincus last week actually predicted that too. He said J-Mart would upset me. And he was right. So I lost pretty handily. He had a good week. My guys didn't quite show up. So I'm two and one. And we're actually facing off against each other this week. And we're projected really close right now. Well, yeah, I think the projection is, again, off by one point. Yeah, I'm, I'm down by one point exactly. Uh, well, well 1.04 points, actually. Might not, uh, don't want to jinx it by saying it's one point exactly. But uh, you have the way better team right now. Uh, my, like I said, half my starters I, are injured. Uh, my, well, half my starters are injured, and some of them are, were never useful to begin with. Evan, Evan Ingram has been a huge disappointment this year. It's the first time I've drafted uh, a, a tight end that early, and I, I will never do it again. Um, I'm done with tight ends <laughs> before the, the 12th round. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. If you don't get one of those, like, for sure top ones, those middle ones always seem to just bite you in the butt, and it's just never a good feeling. Evan Ingram specifically I've had at least one share of in the past couple seasons, and the guy's always just been kind of disappointing. I even have him this season. I haven't learned my lesson is what I'm trying to say. But uh, <laughs> maybe this is the final straw. I don't think I'll ever have Evan Ingram again unless he really turns it around. But Yeah, that's... That's something that I think fantasy football lessons are really tough to, to learn because by the time you're starting to, to learn them and they're sinking in, the player you're, you're never drafting again or the player you're never doing again uh, goes off one week and then you're right back at, at thinking that it was the best play ever. Right. It's like, oh, I knew it from the beginning. Those past yeah. few weeks didn't even happen. I was, it all started right here. This is exactly what I thought. Exactly. I just have to be strong and, and, and it will get better. <laughs> right. And you, so you were mentioning your injuries. I was just taking a quick look at your team. Uh, you had that brutal Chris Carson injury last week, which ended up not being too bad overall, it seems like, but he's probably going to miss this week, it sounded like. Uh, yeah. I guess Hines is questionable. I didn't even realize he got hurt. And then, uh, of course, Julio and then Deontay Johnson got his concussion right at the beginning of the game last week, too. Yep. And, yeah, probably – I mean, Julio probably is back. They, they gave him the week to rest, and he's always had a, a, a history of playing through injury. And the hamstring injury on him with his history and his big size, just pro- it's probably nothing. I mean, I'm, I'm making a bigger deal out of it. But, uh, yeah, I've been fielding injuries. And so far, I've, I've had a, an undefeated cushion to, a cushion to fall back on. But I think this week you might, you might take it away from me. You might make me mortal again in our league. Well, that's the plan, but I'm not going to take anything for granted. I've had plenty of underwhelming performances in fantasy football, including just this season alone. So I'm not going to take anything for granted. Come on, man. I'm trying to get you to jinx yourself. No, it's not going to happen. The only person I jinx is Adam Jeffrey. It's a tradition at this point. Yeah, he, he's had a, a bit of bad luck in, in fantasy. 
But he, I mean, when I rated the team the first uh, first week, I, I thought he had one of the best teams. I, I kept deciding if I put his team above above the others. Uh, oh, I think he also had his first defeat last week, didn't he? Because Lamar underperformed. It was actually the week before. He had managed to pull off the win last week. And I was able to reverse jinx him because he faced Fisher in week two. And I predicted him to upset Fisher. And, of oh. course, it didn't work out. So he lost that one. But then last week, I reverse jinxed him by picking No Sleep to upset Adam Jeffrey. So then Adam Jeffrey ended up winning that one. But, right, uh, right. So I think I figured out how it works. Whatever I predict about Adam Jeffrey, the opposite's going to happen. So he's sitting at two and one, and he made a couple of trades that we're going to take a look at a little bit later on in the show. But uh, yeah, I was I was looking at them uh, when I woke up before class, um, and uh, it's quite an interesting trade. I was I initially I thought it was a bit un unbalanced, but rereading re it, I think he got. I mean, both teams got good value out of it. I agree. And well, since we're talking about it now, let's just, let's just dive into the trades now. Why not? We can uh, do whatever order we want because I'm in charge. So yeah, <laughs> the most recent one, are you, the one between Fisher and Adam Jeffrey, is that the one we're looking at? Yeah, the, one, the Melvin Gordon, Raheem Moster, Jerry Judy one for Kenyon Drake and Michael Gallup. Right. So that was Adam Jeffrey giving up Gordon and Mostert and Judy and getting back Kenyon Drake and Michael Gallup. So uh, I mentioned in the chat, I tend to lean in a vacuum. I lean towards the side Adam Jeffrey got, that getting Kenyon Drake and Michael Gallup. But with the way Fisher's team is structured, Michael Gallup was on his bench. He's kind of loaded at wide receiver, uh, although Chris Godwin did recently get hurt for him. But this is a way that he can unload Michael Gallup, and he gets back Jerry Judy, who could be a really good uh, candidate for a keeper next year, especially with Cortland Sutton going down. Obviously, the quarterback situation is a problem in Denver right now, too. But he also adds an additional running back. Raheem Mostert's still injured, but uh, so is Christian McCaffrey, and Mostert might be back before McCaffrey. So it's a way for him to add a little bit of depth there. Uh, meanwhile, Kenyon Drake has been kind of underperforming. He does have some favorable matchups coming up, so I'm hoping he can rebound, and that would be huge for Adam Jeffrey. And then him getting another uh, wide receiver in Gallup that he can play is big because he's been dealing with a lot of wide receiver injuries. But um, so I think it's pretty even overall and solid for both sides. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah. I, I, like I said, initially I thought Fisher got the best of it because I, the RB market is just, well, it was horrible last week and the first couple of weeks of the season. So I'm, I was a bit biased uh, towards the, the RB side of the trade. I mean, getting more bo warm bodies out there. Cause as you know, uh, well, I started out with like six different running backs and I could only use like two of them the first week. And I think it's been a, it formed an idea in my head that our uh, running backs are just uh, unilaterally better to acquire than, um, than uh, wide receivers. But in this case, uh, he got, I think, the best out of the trade in, in terms of he, he has players on a better offense and they're not exactly... I mean, uh, Adam Jeffries got uh, got players who are on a better offense, and they're not exactly hurt right now. I mean, Mostert's probably going to be back in a couple of weeks, or uh, as as soon as this week. Uh, but um, in general, right now, both Broncos and the 49ers are kind of injured, so players on that those offenses might uh, have lesser 
lesser points or, or performances. So I think I like the trade right now for both teams. One got uh, more warm bodies and the other got a better level of player, I think, a higher tier of player. So yeah, I, I think it's balanced overall and uh, kind of just coincides with the trade Adam Jeffrey made just a bit earlier too with uh, Joe Mixon. So he had given up, what was it, Tyler Boyd and Todd Gurley to Jambrosa for Joe Mixon, I believe, was what the trade was. So yeah. He, that's it. So both Gurley and Mixon haven't looked too flashy. I mean, Mixon has looked good if you watch the games, and that's what's so frustrating. Mixon actually looks good when the Bengals give him the chance to catch passes and get the ball, but his fantasy production hasn't looked good. Uh, Todd Gurley's fantasy production has been decent because he's gotten a couple touchdowns, but he looks bad when you watch him. So uh, meanwhile, Boyd, I, I like as well. He's been pretty solid recently as a, just a receiver in general. But Adam Jeffrey kind of made that up by getting Gallup in the next trade too. So I think this one's also an overall even trade. I like it just in general. Yeah, it's it's pretty even. And yeah, Boyd's been great. I have a couple of shares of him across different leagues. And uh, he's he's been great. He doesn't disappoint. I, I learned last year – well, last season I, I drafted A.J. Green in, in a later round. And I thought I was getting a steal, and then he got injured for, well, most of the season. Yeah. And I, I just decided I was going to stay away from him, even if I'm excited by, by Joe Burrow and what he brings to – well, the promises he brings to the Cincinnati offense. I'm not getting anywhere near the, uh, that offense, uh, making an exception for Tyler Boyd because he didn't disappoint last year, and he's been great to begin this season. So I think he's the only, like, the only part of Cincinnati I – I'm interested in right now. Yeah, I mean, so what I've learned in my years of fantasy is sometimes it does benefit you to hold a grudge like you did against AJ Green. Like if you could just remember what it was like actually owning that player the previous season, like just one season ago, it, like what changed between then and now? And there were some factors that did change for Green. Obviously they got Burrow, Green's actually healthy. But just given the recent history with A.J. Green, I was kind of wary of him too, and that factored into where you drafted him. But uh, sometimes it just pays off to hold a grudge. <laughs> Other times it doesn't, of course, but uh, you're going to tend to have that bias one way or another. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I mean, obviously one thing can change. Anything can change if you change a, a coaching, a coaching uh, staff or – or uh, you better the O-line or you get a new quarterback like in this case. But I, uh, I don't know. I was really nervous as well uh, when, I, when we started this, year's, this season's league. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but we kind of started uh, spontaneously. We like a, a really untimed draft. And by the time my, the first pick was up, I think I chose Julio, but I was, I was nervous. So I, I said, okay, I have a couple... I have a couple keeper picks, and one of those was Miles Sanders. So I thought I was uh, set at early running backs, and I went for Julio Jones. And I, half of me wanted to pick uh, Hopkins, but I was nervous because he was changing uh, teams, and he was changing to a, a recently, well, to a, a new quarterback who I don't really think didn't well didn't really think was to Deshaun Watson's uh, level. So I, I didn't want to pick him, but right now I'm I'm kind of regretting that because Julio well had a good week one, but more he's well he's going back to being injury prone, as his history um, has been of, of 
constant injury and playing through injury all through his, his latest, uh, latest seasons. So I don't know. Uh, bias really puts you in a hole sometimes. But uh, uh, I don't know. It's, we can talk about many different cases of players who disappoint one year and give you something uh, better the year later. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. was a player I drafted this season that uh, I wasn't expecting much from, but uh, at least he got me a good trade. I'm really happy with Nick Chubb right now. Yeah, let's let's talk about that since uh, you've mentioned a few players now. So just, what, a couple weeks ago, you traded J-Mart. You gave up Odell Beckham Jr. and Miles Sanders, and in return you got Nick Chubb and Deontay Johnson, which still feels kind of even, especially with the Deontay Johnson injury. But seeing how Nick Chubb's been the past couple weeks, and now with um, Brown kind of falling – not Brown, uh, Odell Beckham falling down to earth again – it's starting to feel less even, but then Deontay Johnson got a concussion. So hopefully he's not out too long, but Deontay Johnson's been getting a ton of targets. So he's kind of exciting for you as well. Yeah, he is. Uh, right now, I'm hoping that the concussion will clears. And I'm also hoping to that, the, that certain uh, teams across the league avoid a, avoid a, a COVID outbreak. We're seeing the first uh, positive cases pop up. And, uh, well, it's, it's worrying. I don't know if Pittsburgh has played anybody who, had, who faced uh, the Titans before. Last week they played uh, Texans, and I think the week before they played the Giants, and the Titans haven't exactly been there. So I think they might be safe from that. The only thing that may be, they may lose is next week's game, I think, right? Yeah, so because we have the Steelers versus the Titans this week, and the Titans are the one with all the pos- the positive cases, and so they're looking at postponing till Monday or Tuesday currently. Which so so far that's positive news. It sounded like the Vikings don't have any positive cases at all, so they're going to resume practice tomorrow. So we shouldn't have to worry about the Texans Vikings game, and uh, as long as that Steelers Titans happens Monday or Tuesday, that would still be part of week four so it'd be good to go but that uncertainty can be tough sometimes yeah I'm I mean it's it's going to be tough to make sure that we have this uh, this game in week four I think it might be flexed uh, even later on because well the the way that the way that uh, infection works we might be seeing new players pop up every day especially if they shared a a common uh a common infection point or in, in time. Cause yeah, this is actually perfect because you're qualified to talk about this matter. You are our doctor of the league and you have experienced <laughs> this firsthand and had many countless tireless nights. So you would be the guy I have to go to about any COVID concerns with the team. Well, yeah, I'm, I've been managing the COVID protocols for the several factories in the, in the Monterey area. And the, the fact there is any outbreak we have i mean any case we actually have we have to trace the contacts back several days at least 72 days to see who they had any close contact with and uh well you, you start getting up uh, you, you start getting many outbreaks where two or three people around the person start getting sick and um well that's that's probably what we're going to see here i mean yeah the league has much tighter protocols because they have a a very big budget dedicated to that, and they have made a, a compromise to keep the, the, play, the players safe. But I don't know. Uh, 
five players all together in, in, on the same team, I think we're going to start seeing their opponents from the first uh, two weeks of the season have uh, positive cases as well. If we don't, then we're going to be really lucky. But it's possible that two or three teams are knocked out of the of the next 10 to 14 days of playing. I mean, honestly, be- uh, we're kind of lucky we made it to week four with this being the first time we've run into it, right? Because I think okay. when the MLB came back, it was immediate. <laughs> he started seeing those cases. So, yeah. I mean, that's been good. And so far it just feels like a small hiccup, but if this starts to expand and we're like looking at eight teams a week that aren't going to be playing all of a sudden, fantasy is going to become insane. Yeah, we're going to be playing with the third stringers from from the Browns and the Bengals to cover up any of our any of our starter holes. Um, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting, and I I, I think the fact that we are a free league uh, makes it a little bit less stressful because well, people tend to to give a more importance to the money that they might be losing or to decide to to opt out of uh, continuing the season. A couple of leagues I commission. Have uh, have rules uh, set up for this kind of situation. If, if more, uh, I mean, if it gets too tough to continue the season, we're just going to suspend it before week six, and everybody gets their money back. But I'm, I think we could tough it out in this league and, and try to play the, I mean, the most uh, unusual league in history, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm fully up for just embracing all the craziness. If everything goes to hell. <laughs> I'm totally fine with all my other leagues being suspended and us just keeping this one going and just playing with whatever happens. As long as I just manage to keep two keepers for next season, I'll be fine. (laughs) I'd be down for that as well. Uh, We we have four IR uh, spots. We have a a good bench. I think we're, we're good to go, even if it gets extremely weird. Yeah, it's already been hard enough, at least across all of my leagues, to find receivers. I feel like they're the ones getting the brunt of these injuries. Of course, we've got like McCaffrey and Saquon and other running backs but usually I have no problem finding a receiver on waivers from week to week but it feels like they're all taken now yeah uh it does it does feel that way you could always take Sammy Watkins though I mean he's there I fell for his <laughs> for, for his week one performance so he's there uh Greg Ward is also something someone who was talked up in, in several leagues Deshaun Jackson lost me a couple leagues last week so I steer clear of him but yeah, I have, a, I have a soft spot for Greg Ward. He was in my championship lineup last year when I, I won a redraft league with him because I had some, I think, I don't remember who was out with an injury, but so he was a spot start. He didn't even do that amazing, but just because he was on the team, I just got to love him. Yeah, he's, he, he was a good player at the end of last year. I mean, the Eagles had basically no one else apart from their tight ends to throw to, so... Yeah, which yeah. now they one of those tight ends just got hurt, and they ended up picking up Hakeem Butler uh, from Iowa State. He was on the Cardinals for a bit, and they just turned Hakeem Butler into a tight end as well, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, I saw he's he was uh, he was a very big bodied receiver, I think. Uh, and the transition, I don't I don't know how easy that transition can be to to learn to play another style, but maybe he already has a history of it. I just know I had him. I had him as a late rookie pick in some of the drafts in dynasty leagues. Leagues, and I was very disappointed that he, I mean, that he had been dropped, especially since the the Arizona offense is supposed to be uh, upcoming. I mean, uh, on the rise. So I was excited to have a piece of that, but they have too many 
wide receivers and and so far not they haven't been really fantasy consistent except for Hopkins but right Hopkins is just been I, so I was with you at what you were talking about earlier how you took Julio over Hopkins um because I had the same sort of concerns it's hindsight at this point but just because they have so many wide receivers I just didn't think the targets would be there but he's been blowing up every week and looks great so I don't have any DeAndre Hopkins, but I wish I did. Yeah, he's he's been looking great, and uh, Kyler Murray as well. I mean, he has the fastest legs in the league. I mean, they the, every time he runs, I just they blur. <laughs> it's, right? It's scary as a as a Seahawks fan. It's scary to think that. Uh, well, last year I thought those games were were given. Uh, I thought uh, the Seahawks were going to have easy wins, and the second game we had uh, the second divisional encounter we had last season. They beat our asses. Yeah, with so, Brett Hundley. Yeah. And he's not good, man. I couldn't believe that. I, I couldn't do, uh, either. I, I actually convinced my family to go with me to Buffalo Wild Wings. And we were, we were watching the game. And I just couldn't get over the fact that they were losing. And I just think that uh, going to Arizona is always tough for us. It's horrible. And I, I always hate that we use the, the gray uniform. And I, I, we always get somebody injured or... <laughs> It's just not not good for us. Yeah, so I did want to ask, and you might have told us this last season, but I just forgot. How did you end up becoming a Seahawks fan, being from Mexico? Oh, well, uh, Mexico has a history of being uh, close to, to American football. And for the first 20 years of my life, I wasn't... I mean, many of my cousins and my uh, friends had an interest in, in American football. I didn't, I really didn't. But uh, I was going through med school and I started being part of a, a friend group who had a very intense uh, Patriots fan. And she actually called, uh, she, w- she used to call Tom Brady her boyfriend. So she, would, she didn't have a boyfriend. She was a really close friend of mine. And she always said, oh yeah, my boyfriend's playing this week. And I was like, what? I mean, he, who's your boyfriend? So I, he, she introduced me to Tom Brady uh, before the the Seahawks and the Patriots match, so I started reading up a bit on the on the different teams, and I asked my, one of my closest cousins. He's a, a bit older than me, and he's a, a a very very intense Steelers fan, and he got me to watch a few of the of the playoff matches on 2013, I think, with him. So I started getting more into into American football as a as a pastime, if I if I went to a restaurant and they were uh, they were past, uh, playing the game on TV, I just started watching or staying until the end of them. And then uh, I watched the the first Seahawks uh, Super Bowl uh, with my friends, and I was uh, awestruck at how how uneven the match was. I I was actually even a bit bored because well, the team with a better uniform was just beating the Broncos' ass, right? <laughs> so I was a uh, I had fun because I was with my friends, but I didn't really pay attention to the team. And then a year passes, and we we are watching the next uh, Super Bowl, which is Patriots versus uh, the Seahawks. And this time, to annoy my my friend, I decided I was going to root for the Seahawks because I had seen that yeah, the Patriots were uh, a dynasty by that point, or by that point already, and and Tom Brady was already being considered the the greatest of all time. But I said, okay, so I'm going against them. Uh, I'll just back the team I saw last year and hope to win. So I just uh, got any clothes that matched the color set out of my closet. And I went to the, 
to the social gathering and I started uh, just every time the Patriots did something, I just root against them, right? And I'd, I'd cheer for the, for the Hawks. And I really got into that game because it had a lot, of, uh, a lot of lead changes and it was really, really good. So I, it, it grabbed my interest, it hooked me in and I, I went to, I committed and I told my, my friend that if they lost, I'd buy the jersey to, to put my money where my mouth was, right? So if the Seahawks lost, I'd buy the jersey. And they did. And I had so much fun, I didn't mind buying the jersey. And I got my first, uh, my first uh, team jersey. I got the, the 24, the blue uh, Marshawn Lynch jersey, the Beast Mode jersey. And I, I wore that for about a year. And then I started going to, uh, to games when I had a free, a free time, when I wasn't on, uh, on call. And the first couple games I actually watched, I jinxed them. Every single time I went to watch the Hawks, they lost. So I was oh, getting no. a bit, uh, I was getting a bit disappointed, but then I, I just fell for it. Uh, I started enjoying it. I got into fantasy. That was the first uh, 2015 season was the first time I, I was uh, introduced to fantasy, and and from there it just uh, started. Fantasy is a great way to to get interest in in the game because you have to follow the different players all across different games, and you start seeing the highlights, and it hooks you. It's it's been fun. And all of a sudden, you know, every single player on every team. And isn't that insane? Like, just thinking about how many names I know from just the NFL alone is just, like, I don't comprehend it, like, going into it. But it's, like, probably hundreds of names I know of just these players from playing fantasy football. Otherwise, I'd only know Packer players. Yeah, you know the players and you know a bit of their history with injury and you know the, the weeks last year that they were good and then you remember good games. And if, in my case, I, I use a Game Pass, NFL Game Pass, because outside of the U.S., it lets you live stream games. So uh, I can use it to watch games on, uh, as, they're, as they're occurring and it's, I can just switch between the games and start watching anything I want. And it's been great. It, I have a, a ton of fun. Um, my girlfriend actually enjoys watching football with me as well. She was a Patriots fan. I converted when we started dating. And now nice. she, she, with the ring, she got a jersey as well. Not the same day. I'm not that intense. But <laughs> she, she did get a jersey of her own. Uh, and we're, we really enjoy the, the NFL Sundays. We get our laptops out. We start working. And we watch the games in the background. Unless the Hawks are playing, then we really get into it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been awesome. And uh, my my dad actually is also a Patriots fan. My uncle is, uh, is a 49ers fan. One of my uh, cousins is a Cowboys fan. I'm, several of my friends are heavy, heavy Packers fans. There but you yeah, go. Yeah, we have a <laughs> we have a, a very big following of uh, of NFL uh, games right here in in the north uh, part of Mexico. And I've actually been to one of the Mexico teams, uh, to, to one of the Mexico games. I went in 2016 to the Texans v. Raiders game. And I actually saw one of the people using a laser on, what's this dude's name? Uh, I forget the tall quarterback who was good for nothing for about a season. Shoot. Um, uh, which which uh, the, team? The guy who was on the Browns and I think got traded to the Texans. Uh, oh, oh Osweiler, right? Yeah, Osweiler. I, I actually saw people pointing lasers at him, and we all got uh, – I remember the stadium was packed. It was thousands upon thousands of people, and most of them are Raiders fans because Mexico has a huge Raiders following. Actually, my grandfather has uh, Letterman jackets and caps going all the way back to when I was like three years old. 
they're all Raiders gear. Uh, but yeah, and the, the stadium was packed, and I just remember seeing the, the laser beams pointing at that dude and l- looking to the side and actually seeing people holding the lasers and shouting at them because obviously they're not the highest quality person, right? Uh, but we also got a, these uh, these like uh, paper cutouts in order to to make uh, signs when we when we started the wave. And people started making paper uh, paper planes out of the cutouts and throwing the plays on play uh, the planes on the field. And I was just so embarrassed to be a Mexican national oh, no. at that moment. I was like, we can't have nice things because of these people. We just well, can't. Because <laughs> you guys almost had the other year. Was that just last year when there was the Rams oh, and the the Chiefs, and it had it was, to be uh, rescheduled, right, or yeah. moved? Yeah, I think it was a couple seasons back, and it had to be rescheduled because we had a, a rainy, an unexpected rainy season. Well, not rainy season, but a couple of weeks with a, a lot of heavy, heavy rain, and the stadium officials didn't cancel a Shakira concert the week before, and the the field was destroyed. I mean, yeah, hips don't lie and whatever, but I mean, you could <laughs> have a couple, a bit of respect for the fact that other events are going to happen, right? So right. yeah, I, I was extremely disappointed. Thank God I had the the tickets sold out before I could get any, but I was really really disappointed because I was going to be a, a high high quality game, and yeah. it ended being it ended up being a super high scoring game, which I don't know if it if the same thing would have happened if they had played on that field. So I was I was just embarrassed again because. <laughs> that was that was one of the most insane games in recent memory and i was just thinking about like how there's actually a really good matchup that you guys could have had and so that was a shame when that happened but it was a huge shame but mexicans have a have a bit of a history making asses out of ourselves on the international sports uh, well area i mean every time we go to the olympics or to a, a, foot, a soccer a world soccer cup we start doing stupid things to other countries' stat- statues or monuments, and, and we get arrested everywhere. I, don't, I think it was in Brazil where a, a dude was uh, peeing on a statue and got arrested, and I think it was also in Brazil where somebody jumped off a, a cruise liner when his team lost, and he, he ended up drowning. I mean, we have a history of doing this, wow. this type of thing. But, yeah, I'm, well, I'm glad that... If it makes you feel better, I don't know about those stories. So maybe you're just more aware of them being from Mexico. <laughs> I'm aware of all the embarrassing United States stories that we don't have to get into, but <laughs> not, not the ones you brought up, at least. We got a lot well, of people. Well, maybe it's a, it's a national thing. We, we, t- we tend to be more focused on our own, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, we got a lot of people I know from like the Philadelphia area when it comes to sports fans that'll act out like that or just in general life, a lot of people in Florida, there's that long joke where if you just type in Florida man into Google, you get like a ton of different crazy articles. So. Yeah, I, uh, my, my girlfriend and I really enjoy those. We have, actually have a, a meme collection of those because we send a lot of memes to each other, which I think is a great sign of love in this young era of our lives. But uh, we have a, an actual folder dedicated to Florida man. <laughs> it's, it's quite popular here as well. That is awesome. And also congratulations in person because uh, we briefly mentioned it, but you just recently got engaged. You shared with us. So that's awesome. Yeah. Last, last year when we were drafting, I, I told you I was building furniture for her and you guys started uh, saying I was uh, trying to, to win some points on with her. And yeah, we had, we were, by that point, we were a couple months into the relationship and we already had a, 
a wedding uh, invite list. We already had our, our the people we wanted to invite listed out, and a year later we just committed to that. We we talked it out, and we were ready. The pandemic the pandemic was good for that. It it kind of uh, put a rush into my head because I realized it sucks to be <laughs> locked apart from the people that you want to spend your time with, right? Definitely. So, so did you guys currently like live together during the pandemic or were you still living separately at the time? Living together is not really regionally accepted here. <laughs> or gotcha. uh, Mexico in general is kind of conservative. And um, especially, yeah, we're all Catholics or mostly Catholics. And myself, I'm, uh, I'm not really religious, but most of the region is. So mothers here don't really go for the living together uh, aspect of, of relationships until people get married. It's not really tradition. And we were enjoying living rent-free because as a, I've been in the general practice game a couple of years now, but when we started, I was uh, like two months into my, my actual medical license having been delivered to my house. So, so I was about to start uh, making money. I was thankfully not in debt because I had a, a good scholarship and my parents' support, but, but I was uh, in no place to, to start <laughs> paying rent, actually. Um, yeah, and that's probably the smart decision, to be at least financially speaking. So, uh, but yeah, I was just curious because I was going to say it either works one way or the other, right? Like uh, if you were living together and you're stuck together in the pandemic, that's at least a huge trial and you're like, oh, I can actually, I can do marriage with this person. We haven't killed each other yet. But yeah. then on the, on the other end of the spectrum, if you're not together, then you're like kind of quarantined away from each other and you're like, oh, I actually really, really miss being away from this person. Better lock it down. Exactly. And, and the first year of my relationship, I was uh, studying for, uh, for my boards, or for, yeah, for the equivalent of my yearly boards here. So I was not really working at that time. So we had a lot of time to spend together. I, could, uh, I made her a big part of my life really early on. So we actually started spending, it, it was as if we had moved out from each other's houses before the pandemic. We actually spent most of our days together when we had free time. So, so yeah, it was the, the being apart from her was a real trial. And the fact that I, I was working in the, in the health air, uh, profession in a health profession was a, a bit more trying because I've had several scares along the, along the different months of the pandemic where I've seen a really suspicious, suspicious case or a confirmed case and I have to isolate myself for 14 days at a time, 21 days at a time, measuring uh, symptoms every day. So I've had a couple of weeks where I've definitely not seen, not seen her at all and it's been horrible. I mean, that, that part of it has been horrible. So yeah, I, we were kind of... We liked the idea and we started making plans for it and I, we had, I, the ring was no surprise to her, but uh, no surprise. Like, did it. she help you pick it out? No, she didn't help me pick it out, but I already knew what she liked. I already gotcha. knew what, the, I had already discussed the, her, her preferences for that type of jewelry. Yeah. yeah I had to ask like a few probing questions because I still wanted it to be a surprise. It was like, so we did live together before I proposed. So it was kind of one of those things where we lived together for a couple of years. It was like just a matter of when am I going to ask? I still wanted like a little bit of a surprise aspect. Um, so I ended up going out and buying a ring and I hid it in my tie. I have like a box of ties in my closet. I just hid it under all the ties and kept it there for like eight months before I finally asked. 
<laughs> so, because she kept bringing up different things. Like, uh, I figured she'd be the one that wants to have pictures taken of, like, when I propose. So I'm like, oh, great. So I have to figure out if I have someone there or not. And so I ended up just doing it at a game night with some friends and was able to plan it out with them. And it, it worked out pretty well. My mom was upset because I told no one that I had this ring. I told absolutely no one, not even my own mom. So wow. <laughs> she didn't find out till after I asked. That's that's actually pretty pretty strong of you to to hold in that surprise. Yeah, it, the worst part was having to make up lies because I I just I'm an honest person. I don't like to just lie, especially to my now wife's face. So like when I have to go and try and pick up a ring and stuff like that, I was like, oh, I needed to go pick up something from the store, or like make up something like that. So it, it, felt, it. it felt nice to come clean immediately after proposing. I told her all those stories. I th I think the while I, while I was proposing, the second sentence I I told my my girlfriend was, "You are an extremely hard woman to surprise." <laughs> I I told her that I said, "You are very difficult to surprise." I am very bad at lying, but I'm really <laughs> glad I got the surprise in. Uh, and yeah, she was she was taking off guard because. Every time she, she actually told me every time I, I told her I saw a suspicious case at work and I had to isolate myself, she thought I was doing it to surprise her. So the first time she was scared and the second time she was also scared. But the third time she just said, uh, I was expecting you to, to get to my house. Uh, I mean, at, certain, at some point in the night with a mariachi band or something. And, uh, and just get down on one knee. But I, when I checked on you on the Find My Friends thing on the iPhone, I just saw that you were at work or at your house. So I was really disappointed. I'm like, well, I mean, I can't make up this. It's, it's actually, uh, I don't know. I, I was really bad at it as well. And that, I, that was the other thing too. Glad it's over. Like that, that like find or like the location thing on the iPhone, we have that set up too. And I'm like, man, not that she's constantly tracking me, but if I'm like trying to do a surprise and she just so happens to look, it like spoils everything there. So I had to really, Sometimes I just turn my phone off and then when I turn it on, she had like, I had missed texts from her or something and she goes, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I just, phone died or something like that. But yeah, same, same exact uh, situation here. She's not the jealous type. She doesn't really follow me around the, on the app, but whenever, whenever we don't speak for a while, if I'm at work uh, or if I don't uh, talk to her when I'm heading home from work, because it's a bit of a commute, like an hour and a half. No, like an hour commute. And she she gets nervous and she checks. But yeah, it's it it made it made uh, surprising her really difficult. Yeah, and I think my biggest problem was just figuring out how I'm supposed to do it and get everything involved. So I, I ended up I was she was at her family's house, I think, and I had gone out to dinner with some friends in the area and I had enough drinks where I told them and they were the only people I told about this, and that's when we arranged the plans for the game night and everything. Oh, well, I'm glad it worked out with you as well. Yeah, but uh, anyways, not to completely change the subject, but I did want to just go back to fantasy football real quick here so we can cover waivers for the week. Now, there wasn't anything too, too crazy, but uh, I actually managed to finally secure a top bid of the week. So we'll just start from there. I bid $23 on T. Higgins. Looks like we had half the league bid on him as well. He had just gotten two touchdowns this past week. And we were talking about A.J. Green earlier. Uh, I'm thinking T. Higgins is going to start taking his role sooner than later. 
Yeah, I, I think so as well. I have him in a couple of dynasty leagues as a, a later rookie pick because he, he's promising and he's fast. And A.J. Green looks, looks old and Ross, well, he's been on the verge of breaking out supposedly for like all his career and he's never actually done it. So I think the, the staff is just going to get rid of him as well. And uh, over the past couple of weeks, T. Higgins has had some a, a big a bigger role. And last week, he obviously had a – I think it was a couple touchdowns, right? Yeah, he ended up getting two touchdowns last week. And so he's he's primed to be important, I think. I, I, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't think he's going to get a couple touchdowns every week. But right. he's consistent, at least as a flex. Yeah, and then also as a keeper option too. So he was a free agent. So he'd slot in as a 10th round next year if I wanted to or if I wanted to use him as trade bait for that reason. So it was worth it, worth the money to me. (laughs) Yeah, I've been making more of an effort because I was like the only team last season that didn't have any good keeper options at all. So I had to make trades right before the draft in order to have keepers. And I just want to make sure I'm not in that position again. So I'm just trying to keep that in mind because last season was the first time I was ever in a keeper league and I just went in with the win it all mindset and it did not work at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you weren't exactly lucky, but I mean, none of us was, I think last, last year. And I, I made a couple of trades. I remember I was criticized when I gave away Saquon Barkley, but I mean, he's still in the Giants offense and no matter how much of a generational talent he was, he got, hurt last year and he got hurt this year which of course we couldn't have predicted but I, I so much shit was put on me because we I, <laughs> and uh, in the end I traded him I think for Miles Sanders and Josh Gordon and another player I don't remember who and Miles Sanders ended up being really good keeper value for you too and then you ended up turning him into Nick Chubb and that's been working so far so yeah, I mean I, I it's all hindsight to... and we like to give each other crap so <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially because it was, I think it was a Fisher trade. I think I gave, did I give it to Fisher? I don't remember who I gave, I gave Saquon Barkley to. Uh, I, that's a good question because I know, all I know is that he ended up on No Sleep's team, but I don't know if that was after the fact with you. Like, I don't know if you're the one that gave up because we had so many trades happen last year. Yeah, and we did. That's another thing I love about this league is I don't know if it's because it's free, so we're more willing to make trades, but, uh, other than just the chat alone, this league's just so active, and I love that we have trades almost every week. Yeah, it's it's been really active. It's been great, and uh, I think part of the of the free, I mean, the, the free aspect of the league is is a big uh, factor. But I also think we just have a, an active group of people, and even making fun of uh, Fisher's trade proposals, uh, the fact that he sends them out constantly is great. I mean, keeps the league active at least in the comedy section. <laughs> yeah, and he loves it. <laughs> he loves yeah. that we have to bring him up every podcast. He loves the attention. I, mean, I know. I've been hearing, I've been seeing his reactions to hearing his own name every single episode. So I had to bring him up. Bring him up. It was one of the things I, I made a mental note of. And the second thing was, I am sorry. I don't really. I haven't really heard my voice recorded, uh, so I don't know how my accent plays on on audio. I hope it's not that bad. 
But uh, well, if it is, I'm sorry to your ears, guys. We've uh, had a bit of a long run time already, and I think it's we have at least another 20 minutes to go. So sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Your voice is perfectly fine, and it's coming in crystal clear too, which I always appreciate. It makes it easier when trying to edit the audio. But no, yeah, you do have an accent, but it sounds great. I love it. I love everyone's voices, though. So I'm non-biased. I, I'm a people pleaser. I'd like to appease everyone. Understood. Understood. So thanks for that. We'll uh, we'll pitch you up against uh, Sibley and Phonet and see who has the exactly. best accent. <laughs> After those two, well, anybody who gets on this podcast is a bit uh, <laughs> is a bit insecure on their on their voices. I think. That's right. Yeah. So you just gotta embrace it. Just come in. We are who we are. True. 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 It's a good life philosophy. Um, Next up for the the waivers, though, getting back to the waivers, you were the one that had the next highest pickup, and that was Rex Burkhead for fifteen bucks. Yeah. You just outbid the guy we were just talking about, Phonet, for him. And uh, yeah, I uh, I realize he's probably a, a flash in the pan. I mean, three touchdowns is nothing that you're going to expect every week. But James White has been away a, a bit, and um, the Patriots constantly shift on what they do on offense. So the fact that he was he was uh, active in the past game. Gave me a bit of hope that he continues to be active, even if James, James White or Damian Harris comes back. And if they, if James White is still a, a week off, uh, away, um, then then maybe playing him this week could help me get over the the Carson deficit in my roster. Because I think even if Carson was uh, his injury wasn't that bad, it was just a, a slight knee sprain. His ligaments weren't really uh, uh, yeah, they weren't really harmed. I think he's going to be kept uh, on the bench just for this week or maybe a couple of weeks before the bye to, to make sure he's all right because he's been a, a great part of the offense, even if it's uh, more on the passing side than the rushing side. So I needed something to fill that gap. And to be honest, I also picked up Brian Hill because he's, uh, as we were mentioning earlier uh, with the trade info, uh, Gurley hasn't really looked that well. But also the the Falcons are I don't know what to make of the Falcons, man. <laughs> they, yeah. they get high up early in the games and then they just let let them go. And uh, I just have hopes that Gurley continues to to uh, lose the job to somebody else. And, and Brian Hill looked really sharp when he was running. So I th- I thought I could pick him up for free, and I did. I got him uh, well, not for free. I got him for three dollars because I really wanted him to as a stash. And I hope to, to make something of that, at least as a flex for the second half of the season, because I'm hurting. The first two weeks, I was scrambling to get running backs. And every single week, I have to, de- have had to deal with at least two injuries. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely been rough in that regard for you. And I don't mind the Brian Hill pickup either, because even if Gurley doesn't lose his job, he always has that injury risk. And I am just not a fan of Ito Smith at all. He doesn't inspire me in any type of way. So as far as just a stash goes, I'm, I don't mind the Brian Hill pickup at all. Um, but going into your desperate for running back things, I just want you to speak because you got a little bit of crap for your big bid that you had on Naeem Hines and then it blew up on you in week two and he didn't really do much. Do you stand by that decision? Uh, I don't. I really don't. <laughs> I, I have learned through my life it's best to be humble and take it on the chin when you, when you make a mistake. So I'm right here, and I'll tell you, all, all of you guys, I am 
I repent for my choices. It was not the best of choices. I mean, he seems to be a little bit involved, but not enough. And now he's injured. So, I mean, it doesn't seem to be something that, that might uh, take him away from this week's game. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that team. Philip Rivers is uh, unpredictable at best. And the, the Colts actually lost me a couple of survivors <laughs> of survivor uh, leagues the first week because I chose them over the Jaguars and they couldn't close the fucking game on. Sorry for the, the swear words. Uh, I, it doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> oh God. I, I just remember, I, I just remember thinking, why did I choose the Colts? <laughs> yeah, no, that, and that God. put a lot of people off because I went into a lot of drafts with the Colts, my defense, because I thought great matchup and I liked the Colts defense just in general, and then ended up dropping them everywhere only to have them be amazing the next two weeks. So there's always that. But I'm, uh, I'm hoping to see if they, they, I think they play the Giants this week, don't they? They've got the Bears actually, which will be interesting with Nick Foles now being the starter there. Oh, the Bears. Right. Uh, I actually think they're, the Bears are going to be way stronger with Nick at the, at, at, instead of Trubisky. I, I'm expecting the Bears to make a, a leap offensively here. So I've been trying to pick up players where I can. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, I, you know, I think it's promising. They should be a little bit more consistent at the bare minimum, at least. Um, I mean, they're... I respect the pun. <laughs> yeah, bare minimum. It was actually unintentional, but uh, I wish I, I should have just taken credit for that. But yeah, bare minimum. <laughs> they are the only other undefeated team in the NFC other than my Packers and your Seahawks, but they could just as easily be 0-3. I don't know if you caught any of those games, but they kind of had all of them handed to them. So... With Nick Foles starting from the get-go, though, it'll be interesting to see how that offense looks and how they perform against the Colts, who I think have a pretty decent overall team. Yeah, I, I think the, the Colts are a well-rounded team. Uh, I actually didn't really mind Jacoby Brissett last season. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't think Philip Rivers is much of an upgrade, but the front office knows much more than I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think Rivers is uh, long for the NFL <laughs> for too much longer, you know. He he was fun to watch the first couple of years. I paid attention to the game, but I don't think uh, I think he's done. <laughs> as uh, same way Flacco was done when he tried to his stint on the Denver's offense last year. I, I just don't think it's entertaining to watch, and I actually cringe a bit at some of the plays they made. Yeah, that was brutal. That was br- I, I feel for Flacco. I really wanted him to do well, but uh, it just his time was up. Yeah. All right, um, go. Going on here because your guy, yeah, Travis Homer. No, you're fine. <laughs> we're we're like not on a strict schedule or anything. If the episode goes long, it goes long. It's no big deal. But okay. um, we've got Travis Homer here on the Seahawks. So one of the backups to Chris Carson, you did try getting, but J Mark beat you out on that bid. I want to hear what how involved do you think Homer will be if Carson sits out? I think he will get a, a slightly bigger part of the of the shares on the of the on the running uh, side of the game. He has he's a speedier runner than Hyde. Hyde is a tougher runner than him, and I think Hyde has better hands. So with the current offense, he probably Hyde is probably better suited to it. But the last couple of weeks, when we have uh, 
I've seen Hyde uh, play uh, play a couple uh, snaps here and there, but when we don't use Carson, where Carson just had a, a big run and he's winded, we always go to Homer. And last week, I mean, last season, he was uh, promising as well. He's been developing. Carson uh, actually talks, talks him up a lot when you watch the team uh, conferences. So I, I, I like Homer for this week. Uh, not, gen not for the season, because I think Carson uh, will be healthy and play well the rest of the season, I think, and I hope. I don't want to jinx it. But um, I think this, season, this week, uh, uh, he's as good a play as Hyde, actually. Selfish question for my dynasty leagues. Will we ever see DJ Dallas on the field at all this season? What I think of this season is we, went, we might see DJ evolve the same way that uh, Penny did. If Penny gets back and, and, he, and DJ uh, keeps shining like he supposedly does it in practice, because we didn't actually have a preseason to watch him, right? But he's been getting really, really uh, a lot of the attention from the coaching staff. And he supposedly has a great work ethic and is really speedy, has good hands. So I think Penny is out after this season. And I think we're just going to get uh, DJ as a, as, a stable, as a staple in our offense. I think he's going to be important at the end of this, uh, as the season closes. Uh, or at least that's the impression he gives me because Penny has never been really healthy. And I don't know how healthy he can be after his injuries last season. So we might see DJ pick up a lot, of the, a lot of the work as he continues to practice and he gets a little bit of exposure in the next games. I hope so. I, everything I've read about the guy or heard from him, he seems like just a great person and uh, like to see him get a chance. And of course, like I mentioned, selfishly, I have him in a couple leagues, but <laughs> that's not the biggest deal. Um, I just know Pete Carroll sometimes is a huge cheerleader for players, and then even if yes. they don't amount to anything. So I never know whether to trust him or not. The other player I'm, I'm really excited for is uh, Gordon. I mean, uh, I'm one of those people who, who every single fantasy season has a bit of hope that Josh Gordon is big. But um, I've been following him ever since he, he got traded to the Patriots, and I, I think I had him – Before that, yeah, I, I, in one league, I drafted him like in the fourth round when he was still a Browns player, and it was horrible. And then he got traded to the Patriots, and he was good like for a couple of weeks. And then the Seahawks got him, and I was like, yeah, finally we get a, a big body. That was before we even got uh, DK out there. Oh, man. And which, by the uh, way, I was really excited as well. You've made me, you and Russell Wilson have made me eat my words on both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I never imagined they'd actually let Russell throw the way he's been throwing. And they've both been incredible. Other than DJ, um, one mis or DK rather, his one mistake that he made last week. Um, oh, that was horrible. My, my heart jumped in my chest because I was really happy for him because he's supposedly another, uh, another great player who's dedicated to this game. And uh, he has a very good relationship with Russell. And I know Russell gets uh, a lot of flack for being uh, kind of lame in, in his social media <laughs> persona, but I think the, the guy's just that way. I mean, I, initially I thought he was like faking it for, I don't know, for points in general or to not uh, rub uh, anybody the wrong way, but he's, he seems to be that person. So, and he takes young players in and he has a lot of uh, the big uh, developing relationship with uh, his receivers. And, 
and I just thought he was going to be disappointed in DK. I mean, he was going to have a disappointed dad face. Like, <laughs> I don't think that really Russell Wilson has it in his heart to be disappointed in anyone. He would like, well, automatically sure he forgive does. them. You do? Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, about the let Ross cook thing, I wasn't expecting it as uh, either because well, Pete Carroll hasn't really <laughs> allowed that in the past. He's always been the, the force to run guy, establish the run and let Ross save you in the fourth quarter. But I, I think the fandom in general was done with, with the fourth quarter being the only quarter that mattered to, to our front office and to our head coach because every single game we'd fall behind or we'd cling on and then in the fourth quarter we'd make a comeback. But I really enjoyed the season opener against the Falcons because it was just like, oh, yeah, we're ahead. We're stepping on your neck. And uh, even if you score 20 points in the, in the fourth quarter, it does nothing. It tickles. So that was really enjoyable. And then uh, stuffing the Patriots was also good. Um, just a bit worried about the defensive side of things. I think he's going to continue to cook all season long because our defense isn't stopping shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's a great point. And it, he's just so much fun to watch. Uh, as much as I want to dislike Russell Wilson just because of the rivalry Packers and Seahawks have had in recent years, I just can't dislike him. He's just a great guy, and he's just so much fun to watch. There's been so many instances where it just looks like it's a completely dead play. He's going to get sacked or something, and somehow he just disappears out of this whole pile of guys it runs out to the outside and throws a bomb for like a touchdown or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. The, the bombs and uh, specifically, I love them. I mean, he throws a very pretty curve curveball. All the, it, it just seems like to float in the air for like three seconds. And then it just lands into the receiver's hands as he's running, barely looking up to, to, at the ball. It's awesome. I mean, and you watch him do these throws twice or three times a game every single week for like the last two seasons. So it's, I, I wasn't really worried about him cooking when he drafted DK because I, I just knew he was going to be on the receiving end of those, of those deep balls. I mean, I knew he just, he would uh, use his speed and his size to catch every single one that was thrown. And so far he has. I mean, he's caught most of them. But that showboating last week, I wanted to smack him. I really did. I mean, he's huge. He, my hand would probably fall off if I did. But come on, man. The guy is a monster. <laughs> the guy is gigantic. Yeah. I don't know. I was, I was really disappointed as well. Uh, one of the first uh, NFL-related dates we had, well, my girlfriend and I was uh, watching the draft the year that he was picked, well, last year. And uh, I, I screamed out loud because I had been following all the hype for him along the, the combine because he had all these incredible measurables and then they got him for the three cone drill and he was falling uh, in, uh, well, in in draft stock, right? So I was like, okay, we're not getting anybody. And then I expected to get maybe Nikhil Harry or maybe just another wasted first round pick by the Seahawks front office because they tend to do that. I mean, I know you as a Packers fan know all about that this season. All about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was expecting my front office to, to do us dirty like that. And then he fell to the second round and we got him. I, sh I, I, was, I was shouting at the rooftops. My, my girlfriend didn't understand, so I just showed him a picture of him, and she said, oh, no, that's a big boy. And I, yeah, it's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Love. we call him, Kyle, our, our big boy. DK uh, yeah, and I was one of the guys also that was in the draft thinking that he would probably be overdrafted. He ended up falling and becoming a value, and then he ended up impressing me 
once I saw him play just last year. So, like, I already ate crow with DK after seeing him perform last year. My only issue this year was thinking that you guys weren't going to throw the ball enough and even crow again. So I'm just not going to doubt any of the Seahawks ever again. Uh, you you should always have a strong doubt with our defense and our offensive line, at least the last uh, five seasons. The defense always uh, – well, they gave you, a, uh, they give you a, a game-long reason to doubt them, and then they step up for a couple of plays. But it's been fun being a Seahawks fan but I'm pretty sure I'm going to die a bit earlier. I don't smoke. I don't really drink, but I think the Seahawks have been bad for my heart in general. <laughs> yeah, they're your drug of choice is the Seahawks games. Get a heart attack right at the end of each quarter. It's a really good high. I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> that's how the end, the end spike of cocaine feels like. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Man, <laughs> like I haven't done cocaine, but I, if I had to guess, it would be the same thing as watching a Seahawks game. Yeah, and uh, talking about, uh, I mean, to, to talk about your team, your own quarterback, you uh, thanked me last week for uh, saying he was uh, elite in the, in the power rankings. I, I don't know when he stopped being considered so. I mean, yeah, the, the offense kind of went a, a bit away from him towards the run last season, and I think people continue to expect that trend, but the man has never lost a step, in my opinion. He throws, uh, again, incredible deep balls he throws excellent passes his balls always seem to be where you need them to be and the his, his sideline passes to close out a game are horrible they are devastating every time somebody plays against Aaron Rodgers I just know the last two minutes are just gonna his receivers on the sideline getting laser passes it's horrible he's I just always feel like I have to defend him <laughs> so I know the general consensus overall would be he's an elite quarterback and that's more of the vocal minority but just the amount of crap that guy's gotten over the past few seasons just because of his like facial expressions on the field or like rumors about him and his family and stuff like that and I'm like dude just the guy's awesome I've listened to him in so many interviews he takes accountability all the time like the first thing he ever says is he's got like a photographic memory he'll call out specific plays about how he messed up and things like that so I just always I've got like my own Packers fan chip on my shoulder about people that talk dirty about Aaron, but he's really the guy I, Brett Favre drew me into the game, but I've seen every single one of Aaron Rodgers seasons. So he's like the main guy that's like close to my heart when watching the NFL. And Mm -hmm. he's easily one of the best I've ever seen do it. I mean, obviously he's not in his prime anymore, but he's had his moments still. And I think if we could have gotten him another weapon, I would, we just, just see no mercy from the guy. I know, I can't, I mean, any of the new weapons, any of the wide receivers, a Ruggs, an Edwards, a Judy, a Lamb, a trading up to get one of those guys, that would have been awesome. A Mims, a Higgins, anything, literally. Well, there's yeah, so I don't know about Mims right now because he hasn't he's really. He's IR, yeah. But I, I don't know, really anyone. Um I think the only ones taken by the time the Packers took Jordan Love, I think it was just Ruggs, Lamb, Rager, and Jefferson that were off the board, I want to say. Or Judy. Mm-hmm. I don't think I said Judy, but he was gone too. Yeah, he was gone, uh, I think, in the early 10s. Yeah, I, I think it went Ruggs, Judy, Lamb, Rager, Jefferson in that order. But So any of the other ones, because there's like 30 different rookie receivers you could have picked from this year. 
I mean, yeah, uh, and I think any of those, any of them would have shined, or uh, like they've been shining in the respective teams. But I can't imagine a Judy or a Lamb with Rogers. That that would have been unfair. <laughs> I mean, I just think that that's the the NFL gods keeping it, keeping our our loved players uh, tethered as mortals. Because yeah, yeah, the Seahawks got uh, on the offense, and then they lost everything they had on defense. And when, we're, when they were strong at defense, our offense couldn't really get off the ground. So I think it's just balance. And as a Packers fan, we've it's never, ever had that defense. So you only have like a, exactly what you were explaining with the Seahawks defense current state, where you'll get a couple plays a game that'll help you out. That's what the Packers defense has been my entire fandom. <laughs> I'm just dying for something to actually happen with that defense to make it more consistent. Our, our encounter in the playoffs last uh, on the real <laughs> NFL playoffs last season was was uh, uh, nail biting for me. We were really hurt at running back, and they were still trying to establish the run with I think the, <laughs> the late Marshawn Lynch at least on the field. <laughs> he he doesn't really have the beast in beast mode anymore. Uh, and I don't know. I think we also had Homer, and we were getting nowhere, and it was still a close match until the fourth quarter I was I was I mean I was glad that you put us out of our misery because having another week of just holding on would have been horrible but uh I don't know I, I think it was a match I'm always I'm always glad when we face the Packers because I know it's going to be a good game the same as when we face the Patriots I may hate those guys as a team in general uh because they're I think they're a bit overblown the coach is by far their strongest point Easily, uh, easily, man. (laughs) So you've seen me rant about Brady in the chat plenty of times, but I really don't have any beef against Brady, the guy or the player. I think he's Hall of Fame quarterback and he's great. My only thing is just how much hype the guy gets is just so frustrating for me to see because I'm like, he's not going to, the guy's past his prime easily because he's the oldest guy in the league. He's not going to go to the Bucs and magically make them this Super Bowl contender. Now the Bucks defense has looked better than I expected it to, to be honest, so far. So yeah, I think it's actually been the strong point of their team right now. Yeah, at this point, especially with Godwin being hurt and Mike Evans being limited to just getting one yard touchdown passes. What's up with that? That's there's been like three of those in the past two weeks. But it's it's been extremely difficult to predict. And I I actually drafted the the worst team I have so far uh, in fantasy. Had had Kittle, Evans, uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire as the three first picks, and it's been hurting. I mean, yeah, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire has had a, a fine performance, a very good performance, I, I might say. But Kittle being hurt and Evans just being uh, <laughs> targeted so so un- infrequently has really hurt me. I mean, it's the only team I have which hasn't had a single victory this season, yeah. and it's. There's so many different combinations you can do to get like that same type of result based off of injury in my, uh, in my wife's family league, probably the league I would consider to be the least competitive. Like there were three quarterbacks drafted in the first round of this league. And it's just a regular redraft one QB league. That's the type of league we're dealing with. My I'm Owen three because I took Saquon Barkley, then Miles Sanders, then Chris Godwin. So Barkley's obviously gone. Miles Sanders missed week one. And then Godwin's missed one game, and now he's going to miss a couple more. So I just feel like I'm doomed in that league because anytime I offer a trade, 
everyone thinks automatically I'm just trying to rip them off, even though it's a completely fair trade. So I don't know what to do there. I think you just have to hold them. <laughs> That's kind of what I have to do at this point. Just hold them and see if another team falls apart. I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's, it's tough to know when you're, you're facing an, an uphill battle in the first couple of weeks of your fantasy. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's doable. I've, I've heard people come back from 0-4 uh, records to win a championship, but it's, it's incredibly horrible. I mean, to, to have every week be the defining important week you need to pay attention to and have everything be perfect is horrible. Uh, I have a dynasty league in which it's uh, – I mean, I, th- I think we were talking about it this, uh, this last week. I, got, I traded uh, Cam Newton for Kenyon Drake in a couple, uh, a couple second uh, draft picks. Yeah, I love that trade. But uh, that league, I've had the second highest score for two of the three weeks. And the two weeks I had the second highest score, I lost by three points. It's so been, both it's, times uh, you faced the highest score, that is just the worst, man. Twice. <laughs> twice. It's been horrible. And the first week I blew out my opponent. I had like two, 230 points, I think, because I have Wilson, I have Ryan, I have Ridley, I have Metcalf. So I, I had a, a huge game on, first, on week one. I have, I've had strong games ever since because Ridley and Metcalf are, aren't letting me down in my my core. I also have Thielen and today on that team. So I'm stacked. That team but, sounds incredible. Is this like yeah, it, it is right league? now. <laughs> it is right now. No, it's, it's a 12-team Empire League. Wow. Uh, I mean, but last year I kind of traded away all my picks for this year to try and, and make, it, uh, make a run of it in the, in the playoffs. And I lost because of a fluke game in the first, <laughs> in the first playoff game last season. So I think I'm still strong, but I, ha- I had like one draft pick, this rookie pick. And I have uh, the only two draft picks I have for next year are the, the second round picks I got for Cam Newton. So the reason I'm strong right now is I have no future in that league. I need to win. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad then that makes that trade even better, getting those two second round picks and the fact that it's a super flex league you're in. So that's going to push some of the wide receivers and running backs back to the second round as well. So you could get some value there. Yeah, I'm hoping for that. I'm hoping for that. Actually, I wanted to talk to you about that because in that league, I, I was able to get uh, Jordan Love thinking, well, if they're drafting him, Aaron Rodgers might be traded or something. I don't know. He might leave <laughs> in general disgust for how that team has been managed. But uh, I just thought that he would leave. But uh, I think I've, I haven't heard anything positive for, about Love in your, uh, from your front office so far. They really like what they saw. I know he's been uh, – there was a lot of reports about his accuracy issues in camp. But I think they knew going in he'd be a project and they wanted to put him behind Rodgers. Rogers still has a few years left on his deal. I don't know how many, if they're planning on keeping him for the whole contract or if they want to trade him. I have no idea at this point. I did not expect them to take Jordan Love uh, when they did, like trading up to get him at least, because I know they talked about it prior to the draft, but I didn't think they were that all in on him. So I have, I have no idea. Um, if they do end up trading Rodgers, I'm going to root for him wherever he goes, even if it was to the Bears, as much as that pains me to say. But I'd still root for the guy because he doesn't deserve the way that the front office has treated him recently. I, f- I feel the same way for, for several players on, in, on my team. But, yeah, definitely. If Wilson ever left the Seahawks, I'd still be his fan. I, I'd buy his jersey even if it wasn't the Hawks jersey. 
I mean, I, I he's was thinking given us so much, uh, wise and entertainment wise for like the last 10 years. I, I think <laughs> we couldn't really, I mean, we couldn't really hold it against them to look for something better. Right. I was thinking like, what if Rogers went to something like the Broncos, right? With Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, and like, uh, they have a pretty decent overall defense. Uh, they can't seem to ever have uh, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller healthy at the same time. But I think that I, that's a crazy division already with the Chiefs and the Raiders starting to come up and Chargers have some good weapons too. But I think that if would you be sent a cool them, fit. If you sent Rodgers to a team like the Cowboys, I think even if you put oh. a single play, uh, playmaking decision up to a, a randomized computer – I think Rodgers would make that team a Super Bowl champion for like three years. I mean, he'd be reunited with his old buddy, Mike McCarthy. <laughs> they added things I mean, I know. So that's, well. why I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, even if we took away Mike McCarthy and we just put, put a computer to make random choices about every single play, I think he'd still make that team a Super Bowl uh, champion. Even if it's like a, a punt in the second, uh, second and ten. I just... Make I just had the feeling it would be a lot like the uh, the 2011 season when the Packers were almost undefeated. They went 15-1, and one, and we just had no defense. But our offense was stacked, and that was when Rodgers was in his prime. He was on fire. I could see that happening with the way the Cowboys' defense has looked so far. Where, how the Cowboys just in general look so far. Dak's been doing pretty well. Um, he's not Rodgers, but he's been doing well enough. Yeah, I think he's making a strong argument to have uh, his contract negotiated this this season. Yeah, they should have paid him ahead of time. They're going to have to pay him way more now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I know Jerry Jones has gets a, a reputation to, for being a good, uh, I mean, a good businessman for his team, and I think I respect him. But I do think he this was a mistake. He should have just paid Dak before Dak showed what he has shown this, this season. Because right now, if you try to step away from him and get somebody else, if it doesn't work, it's going to be a huge waste of potential. I mean, offensively, that team is is primed. I mean, if they had a better play caller and if they had a, a bit on the defense, if the defense gets even slightly better, they're going to be a powerhouse. Yeah, especially with that division. Uh, the Giants, the Washington football team, <laughs> the um, – Eagles, the Eagles are falling apart. It's just nuts. But yeah, that's are. just the most, I think it's the weakest division probably in football right now. So they could easily dominate that and make it high seed in the playoffs if they could just pull it all together on their end. Yeah, I, I agree. That that division, uh, well, it's, it's going to cut them a lot of slack. It's going to let them take their time to to develop into what they want to develop this season. So I think if, if the front office and the head coach can get their heads out of their asses, the Cowboys are going to be terrible. <laughs> well, it's like the opposite of the division the Seahawks are in, <laughs> the West. That division's yeah. just nuts. I think we finally are starting to see this power switch because for a while I've seen the NFC as being way stronger than the AFC. But now other than the NFC West, it just feels like all the individual divisions are so weak. Um, because the Vikings look terrible, the Lions are the Lions, the Bears are the Bears. Then you go to like the Saints division and they've got the Panthers and the Falcons. I don't think the Bucks are all that great, but just going around the NFC, I'm, now I'm like, oh shoot, the Bucks are probably going to make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, everything waxes and wanes, right? The, the fact that the people spend different uh, 
aspects of their teams and they make either the offenses better or they build the defenses for the years to come and they slack on offenses or the different orientations the coaches get uh, kind of predispose a team to be uh, to have a certain identity for some years but yeah the AFC is is currently I mean some of the the teams are still dynasties I mean the Steelers and the and the Patriots are are strong and they have been for a while and that I think is because they are consistent in their coaching staff the Ravens are are I mean I, this Monday week I, this Monday game um Monday night football game that was weird wasn't it I, I thought the Ravens had more punch in them I I didn't expect the I didn't expect the Kansas City Chiefs to just dominate on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it was once they fell behind because on that first drive, Lamar looked incredible, like he normally does. And then it was as soon as they just fell behind, they couldn't seem to catch up. Like they don't know how to play from behind. They're good at running the ball and needing to be like somewhere close in the game or something. So they got to figure that out, especially with someone like uh, Hollywood Brown. You can catch up pretty easily. Just throw a deep ball to him. Or even Devin Duvernay. We saw him on the kick return. That guy's fast. That, that was a, a very exciting play. I jumped up out of my seat because, he, yeah, he was fast. And he could have been tacked. I think one of the, the, the last uh, special teams player uh, that had him almost got, got him by the ankle and he just slipped away. It was a really good showing for, uh, for one of the first shots that rookie has had. I mean, the I, I expect nothing but greatness from that team for the next couple of years. I, I even I don't think this was more than a misstep, and I think they will be right back to dominating next week's encounter. Yeah, I mean the Chiefs are just probably the best team still in the NFL. I, they just won the Super Bowl and haven't lost since. So they're until they get beaten, they're the team to beat. So I would yeah. never feel embarrassed losing to them. I agree, but seeing the, the, I mean, the Ravens against the Texans and the Ravens against the Browns, I was just primed for another 50, I mean, another 100-point game like the one we were discussing about the Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs had, uh, that they had a couple years back. Yeah, I, I, we all were, but I think the Chiefs' defense is just better than we all thought. They are. They are. They, they had a good showing in week one, and they the the only time I've seen them weak was against the Chargers. But I think that's more on the Chargers' defense than anything else. Yeah, because the Chargers have a pretty good defense themselves. Uh, they've got yeah. Casey Hayward there, the Packers cornerback that got away. That has been the other thing that sucks as a Packers fan. Every time we lose a defensive player, they become a superstar on some other team. So yeah, it's it's tough. I mean. Yeah. You, you either lose some players or you become the Chiefs, uh, the Saints, where you're so stacked and you're so in the hole for your next year's uh, spending cap. That, uh, I think the Chiefs, the, the Saints, if they don't make it this year, they're just going to fall apart. I don't think they, they have anything left uh, if they don't uh, get back on their feet. I agree. And uh, just to move along here, just because – I said yeah, I could talk to you all day, man. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it seems it seems like we have a, a good flow of conversation here. Yeah, so but I'm now I'm starting to look at the time just a little bit more. But so I want to close on a different note. I'm fine with ignoring the rest of the waivers. Um, sorry to Mo Ali Cox. Special shout out to him. But uh, rather than do the upset picks, I just wanted to go back to something from last week where we had Sibley the best do our anagram power rankings and. He said your team didn't have any. So I wanted to give you a chance to respond because I know you were able to find a lot of good ones for your team. 
I just want to know if you have any choice words to give to our friend Sibley for his ranking of you last week. The only thing I can I can say I have to be honest here I used the <laughs> I used the a an app on the on a browser to to make the anagrams so I can't really fault him if, even uh, especially if he tried to do them on his own if he did that then yeah I probably couldn't see anyone but then I I <laughs> I used the app and I found that most of my players had uh, had some and the only thing I I I want to mention is. Uh, Acronym boss, Mason Crosby. I think he's going to keep that nickname for the rest of the season. And I might even keep him on my bench and use a bench spot when, when you have the, the week five bye week. Because he, he earned my respect. He, he has had <laughs> points. He got me last week's victory. So I don't feel comfortable just leave, let him go. So I just thank you for, uh, for giving me that narrative last week. Sibley, thanks for that, and uh, and no hard feelings, no hard feelings. Especially if you weren't using an app, you have you're well within your rights to not have found anything on, on my team. I'm gonna say that he probably did he use one. If he didn't, I'm even more impressed. If he actually sat there and tried scrambling things around, I, I would think he did use some sort of website though. But I did want to give another special shout out to Owl Surliness for Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. I think other than acronym boss, that was my favorite one. But uh, yeah, or chair scorns for Chris Carson. I tried one for DK. His his real name is Decalin Sacarius Metcalf, and I just want you to know, I think my computer nearly crashed. <laughs> <laughs> That's I just awesome. decided that it didn't even try. It just said no. Well, for <laughs> that anything for, for that episode title, I put in the fantasy loners league and got so many results, and that's how I came up with felt orangutan eyelashes was that's an anagram. Oh, I didn't know that. I was just like, I wonder when I was listening to it on my commute. And sometimes I listen I listen to the episode when I'm on call and it's slow. But that I, I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't tell anyone that no, no one even mentioned or questioned the name or anything. They all just kind of let it be. So I figured I just reveal that here in case anyone didn't catch on. Maybe you had a stroke. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, don't know what this guy is on, but <laughs> yeah, he was he was uh, having a, a midnight bender when he finished yeah. the. Episode. Oh, he must have just watched a Seahawks game because he's high. He's high, yeah. Some <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it's seriously been a pleasure, and uh, we'll ha- definitely have to have you on again because clearly we've got plenty to talk about between the two of us. It's, but- it seems. And I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, hopefully we, we get to meet each other sometime in the future. I mean, I know maybe it was mentioned as a, as a joke, but uh, it'd be nice to have a, maybe next season or something a visit to, to some uh, actual NFL game that we can all share or some of us can share if we get a couple of us in the area. But uh, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. I'm glad I was nervous, like I told you, and it's been nothing but fun. <laughs> I actually let it run a like 45 minutes more than I thought I had to give you. Uh, uh, my, <laughs> I am expected at my in-laws uh, for, for afternoon tea. Oh, so, well, definitely get going then, man. <laughs> I, don't want to keep I, I think I will. I think I will. I, I, I had warned my, my girlfriend that I was, go, I was going on the podcast and I said, I don't know how much time I'll be, but uh, I might be late because I was, I was really excited. So it's been, it's been awesome. Uh, if you have to ed- edit anything out, feel free. And thanks for having me. It's, thank you for, for what you've done. I've, uh, I've, I don't know if I've told you, but you've been the best commission I've been exposed to in the last uh, four years of fantasy. 
friends and family included as commissioners and uh, it's been great it was it's been an awesome experience and i'm i'm going to be active as long as the league is open awesome and then if you ever turn off your notifications i'll always find you on reddit <laughs> thank you yeah thank you for that i i have a really tough time keeping them on in the off season cuz some leagues just get active and you get 200 messages about a rookie trade that you're not interested in because it's April. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't blame you at all. So that's why I was happy. I have at least that resource because I figured that was the case. And um, luckily we had that alternate source of communication, but uh, you're welcome back. Anytime you want to come on the podcast, you have a good afternoon tea with your in-laws. I don't want you to get in trouble with them at all because that's never easy to recover from. True. True. No, uh, well, thank you. Have a, have a good afternoon as well. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you. Have a, have a good night.